Dear Lord, I praise you so much for another beautiful day. I thank you for the clouds. I even thank you for the humidity and the things that you can even teach us through that. And Lord, um, we ask that you enter this classroom and that you enter our hearts and that you open up our hearts and our minds and our eyes to the things that you want us to learn and take away. Inspire us with ideas to become stronger families and stronger members of our church. Lord, to encourage those around us and point them to you at all times. We love you and we surrender this time to you. In your name, amen. amen. So I touched on this briefly and I didn't feel like I really talked about it enough, so I wanted to go back to it really quick. Uh, at the end of your math handout, I had two quotes about music. I don't know if you noticed them, but I was going to read them to you really quickly. As the children of Israel journeying through the wilderness cheered their way by the music of sacred song, so God bids his children today gladden their pilgrim life. There are few means more effective for fixing his words in the memory than repeating them in song. And such song has wonderful power. It has power to subdue rude and uncultivated natures, power to quicken thought and to awaken sympathy, to promote harmony of action and to banish the gloom and foreboding that destroys courage and weakens effort. It is one of the most effective means of impressing the heart with spiritual truth. How often to the soul, hard-pressed and ready to despair, memory calls some words of God's, the long-forgotten burden of a childhood song, and temptations lose their power. Life takes on a new meaning and new purpose, and courage and gladness are imparted to other souls. That is found in Education, pages 167 and 168. And so one of the things that I've really wanted you to have a takeaway from this seminar is the importance of looking for God in everything, in nature, right? To walk around and just not help but be reminded of different God's, different promises of the Lord. And I have this favorite quote in Steps to Christ. See, I'm going to get into tomorrow and I can't even help it. I have a favorite step in, in Steps to Christ, a quote in Steps to Christ that says, um, if we believe the promise, God supplies the fact, so if we're filling our minds with those promises, then we can claim them and God supplies the fact. But if we don't have those promises going through our hearts and our minds, then we won't know to claim them. So when you see a tree or when your child sees a bird, I want them to be able to recall Bible verses and that's just what comes to their head. I can't help it. When I go to a waterfall, when I go to a river, I just can't help now but say different Bible verses in my head. And another way that I think you can do this is by picking songs that talk about nature. So, because songs will stay in your mind forever. So if you have your pencil, I just wanted you to write down, and I know maybe you don't have anything to write on right now because I'm waiting for my handout, but to put songs in their hearts that just talk about nature and connecting God with nature. So these are all from the Seventh-day Adventist hymnal. Uh, this is My Father's World, page 92. Page 93, All Things Bright and Beautiful. That's a really fun one to do actions with, too. Um, Ferris, Lord Jesus, page 240. Eternal Father, Strong to Save, page 85. Uh, page 60, Let All Things Now Living. Page 640, For the Beauty of Meadows. 640. Page 88, I Sing the Mighty Power of God. And you know what's so awesome is these hymns are so full and rich, and little ones will remember them. They really will. I taught my children, my students, um, this is my father's world, and tis love that makes me happy, and what was another one? And they could say it, and there's huge words, and you hear them saying them, and they will remember them. Um, page 12, and I think you're also creating a love in them for another kind of music, too. So there's multi-reasons, I think, to start off your mornings um, as a family, maybe with a nature song. Page 12, joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Page 2, all creatures of our God and King. And page 98, can you count the stars? Uh, page 103, O oh God, our help. And page 44, morning has broken. And the last one, you might be surprised, um, my professor challenged me with this one, Joy to the World, page 125. What is that song about? Usually what do we equate it with? Christmas. But if you read the words, No more let sin and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the, the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. Well, when he came, was there no more 
sin when he came for at Christmas time for his first birth? No. When is it going to be no more sin? Second coming. The song was actually original, originally intended to be a second coming song, but we sing it only at Christmas time. But joy to the world should be in the second coming section. So I know your kiddos would love any excuse to sing a Christmas song at any time but Christmas. So when you point that out to them, you have a lesson right there. So there's just a couple of hymns, but there's a lot more hymns out there. And then there's always those fun little kitty songs, too, that talk about nature. But um, family worship is really important. And this seminar isn't so much about family worship today. It's more um, just ideas to, to spend time as a family outdoors. Um, but family worship is a great way to start your day or end your day. And if you're maybe saying uh, once a month, that's, well, why don't we do more than that? Why not one week a month is devoted to only nature-related devotions? I didn't bring it with me, and I saw it up in the ABC store. It's called God of Wonders. It's, a li- it's, it's quite a bit advanced. It was written by definitely a doctorate. <laughs> Um, from a college level, but it takes all these wonderful nature um, things and it shows you how to draw lessons from God. And it's called God of Wonders. It's definitely for the more, um, it's probably not a child level book, but some of the things are really fascinating, like how fast a hummingbird flies. You know, you could pick and choose some of the things and your children would definitely connect with them. Um, But that's a really cool devotion book is God of Wonders. All right, so we checked that. The next thing I wanted to talk about um, that I didn't touch too much on for this week was the fact of picking an area to do as your outdoor classroom. We call it the outdoor learning laboratory is one thing that we refer to it as, but picking a spot or thinking of a spot that's available to you to go out and teach in. I was really blessed in Holland where I had a huge green green space. Not only that, but um, there was a woods that went around the parameter too. And years ago, they had a trail that went around. And so I asked, can I redevelop this trail? And I put an email out to the church family. I went and just talked to all these different fathers. And I said, can you help me build a trail? And they helped. I had nine fathers that came out and we blazed, reopened the trail. Not only that, but my father is a genius. And he said, you know, um, tree cutters often will donate their wood chips. For free. So if you de- if you know, it'd be really awesome if each of our churches had outdoor learning laboratories. I mean, I think why aren't our Sabbath schools ever taught outside? You know, why don't we ever take church outside? Jesus always taught outside on a hill. That would be so fun if once a month or during the summertime we had outdoor church. Your kids would love that. Like it would be exciting to go to church if it's something different. We take them outdoors. So maybe you're not at a school, but we all go to churches. So let's think, where can we develop at our churches an outdoor spot for our students to go to, um, for our Sabbath school classes to go in? If we want to start a movement, it starts with us. So if we think of ideas, I bet our church would get on board. And I don't know how many churches are represented here, but the more that do it, then the more others will, oh, do you hear that, what that church is doing? That's so cool. So some ideas for an outdoor learning site is simply, if you don't have the kind of green space, do tree logs and make a circle, and you're just talking, you're sitting on little tree logs. You're outside. Um, if you have a creek, then your options are endless. And I know it's scary because people come in their Sabbath best, and little girls have those adorable white frilly dresses, and I can just think what my mother would say. But, you know, you can get sheets for basically nothing at Goodwills. So we put the sheets on the logs not really ideal, but we can work together. If we compromise, we can make this happen. Another thing to do for an outdoor learning laboratory is simply um, planting a garden or a flower garden or a wildflower mixture. You can get those really cheap for $6, a huge wildflower package um, at, what's the, Lowe's or Menards. Yeah, and you could just sprinkle that in an area and you have a butterfly garden and all sorts of other things would come to it. Um, what are some other ideas? Um, maybe even picking a special tree and meeting under that tree and you just put blankets out. That often, on when I would read the Bible story to my students, we would just go outside to read it. 
simply because that's the way I felt that Jesus had taught. So simply just being outside, not necessarily even making references to anything that was out there, but just I had a special blanket. That was our Bible story blanket. And we'd go and we'd sit, and I would read them the Bible story. Uh, does, if anybody, does any of you have any ideas going through your head if you think of your churches? Because that might help others. So we bought a tree, and it was this little tiny tree, and we planted it, and it had to be into this huge, enormous tree. And so the kids all thought it was David and Goliath. So now we continuously can watch this little David grow oh, next cool. to this giant. So it's very cool. I'm going to have to stand next to you because when they're recording, if I am too far away from you, then the people who are listening to the CDs can't hear other comments. And it would take me forever to repeat <laughs> your great ideas. So don't be scared if I come stand next to you. <laughs> uh, does anyone else have any other ideas when they think of their church? I really love this idea. The Lord totally just brought this to my head. Uh, maybe I shouldn't confess that. Um, but can you think of any other ideas at your church where you could think about how to make it a special outdoor classroom that would work in your setting? I was thinking for our church, we need a prayer garden. Oh, that's awesome. Make different spots, you know, and have a picnic area and a covered roof thing so that we can have picnics out there. Very cool. Holland Church has a giant gazebo, so they could even just meet under the gazebos, and I don't know if your church could build a gazebo. I didn't finish my path story. I forgot to finish that. So I was driving my students on a field trip to a nursing home one day, and I saw these guys cutting down trees. And I said, guys, pray that they're still there when we come back, because I had to make the appointment to, for my students to sing for the nursing home. So we, we, we sang, and we left, and they were still there. I was like, guys, and they're still there. So we pulled over, and I ran, and I told them, you know, I teach at Holland, Seventh-day Adventist School, and I want to develop a trail. Is there any way that you guys could give me your wood chips? And they said, yeah, of course. And in fact, they say that their company does 30, I could be off on the number, but 30 free service hours a year to help local schools, local churches. So he said, if you need help cutting down your trees or coming just to work on your path, we could help. Unfortunately, the Lord moved in mysterious ways and I, I started the trail, but then I didn't teach there last year because I was at Camp Asabo. So I didn't get the guys to come out and help. But I'm talking to people in Holland, like, remember that trail? Let's go work on it. Um, and I'm sure they will, because that church is awesome. But there is people in the community that could help. And once again, it's that whole thing. If your church disappears, would your community notice? And if we get our communities, we need help. They say if you want to make a good friend, step number two is asking them for help. And so if you're asking your community for help and they're involved in creating this um, outdoor trail or whatever, another thing I wanted to um, put on my trail was, have you guys been to Camp Asabo and done the boardwalk and there's the benches? I wanted to put benches on my trail like a prayer walk for the church to use, for them to just come and the church family to come use the trail, not just for my students. Another thing that I wanted to put on my trail were special wooden um, plaques that you could open and that would describe what was there It'd give you information about that tree or that plant and put those little plastic signs. I mean the possibilities are really endless that you could maybe develop. I don't know where some of your churches are and if that's a possibility or not. Um, so that base is done. Outdoor classrooms, do you have anybody else have any other ideas to add to outdoor classrooms? You can identify the trees and kind of turn whatever trees you have near you as kind of like an arboretum, yeah. you know, where you are identifying. And, you know, you can laminate. It's, it's not permanent, but it will last. No, it will. Just to laminate them. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, but you can, you know, and then even if you don't have trails, if you have you know, trees along your parking lot or whatever, you can kind of make that. And you could, you, know. you could label the tree, you also could put a Bible verse. And then other adults are seeing, oh, that's a nice Bible verse. And then they're starting to get our whole new line of thought. Um, so at your home, it's also important to try to develop a special outdoor learning laboratory. And I thought this idea was really cute. Uh, it said that um, their son wanted to have his own secret garden. So they chose a spot hidden between some trees, and he made a border with rocks that he collected from the yard, and then they transplanted some flowers from another part of another garden. And it was perfect because it was a hidden spot. It gave them a place to dig. And remember how he talked about digging in dirt is a good thing to do. Um, and it didn't upset her gardens, and he had his own little secret garden. 
and all he needed was his imagination and a hand shovel. Uh, and by transplanting or dividing existing plants, we didn't even spend very much money. And they're also, these boys are in charge of weeding and guarding, weeding and watering and taking care of their garden, which teaches responsibility. So there's another idea. If you're not sure that you have a spot that would work in your yard, is just creating a little one dirt, you know, one, one foot by one foot that they can just dig around in and find worms and cool things. All right, so that is the outdoor classroom that I wanted you to consider. Another thing, too, that you can have um, is a local naturalist. If you go to a nature center, um, you can get a local naturalist. And I never had a chance to do this, but Holland, I was going to have a local naturalist just come to the school and help me learn because I don't know all the plants. I am very intimidated by the thought of trying to identify all those plants and trees. Like I said before, I am not a biologist. <laughs> I squeaked by with <clears throat> not the shiniest grades when I took biology two here with Mr. Carter. <laughs> so that's just never been my forte as a tree and plant identification, but I'm learning. Um, by teaching, you learn. <laughs> and so you can definitely have a naturalist come to your school or your church and will probably be very, very happy to tell you what kind of life that you're supposed to have there. Um, all right, two books that I wanted to show you was 15 Minutes Outside, 365 Ways to Get Out of the House and Connect with Your Kids. So these don't have any spiritual connections. They're just ideas to get out. They're not even necessarily educational. They're just ideas to get out and play, and they're random. Some of them you aren't such good ideas, but there are 365, so <laughs> completely up to you. I just got it off of Amazon. Like I said, once I get going on Amazon, I'm like, oh, that one looks cool, and that one looks cool. Lord, <laughs> I don't make enough. Um, and it's written by Rebecca P. Cohen, and it's just, it's just fun. There's just lots of fun ideas um, that you maybe didn't think of to do. And it also tells you sometimes different holidays that are going on too. So like this is random. There was one that I found, like the last day of June is um, camping in your backyard national day or something. <laughs> so there's some really random things out there that are pretty cool. But 365 ways to get out of the house and connect with your kids. And the book's just called 15 Minutes Outside. Uh, the other one that is fun, this is more geared toward lo younger level. It's called I Love Dirt, <laughs> and it's written by Jennifer Ward, and it's 52 activities to help you and your children discover the wonders of nature. And some of them, I'll just give you a couple examples. Take a walk on the wild side is one of the ideas. And so you play Simon Says, but you say Simon Says with different nature things. So walk like a penguin, twirl like a leaf, slither, slither like a snake, stomp like a bear, hop like a rabbit. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Creep slowly like a sloth. Um, and then there's always a little green section that says, help me understand. Question, does everything on earth move? And then it talks about that. So there is little educational points to all of these fun ideas. Um, another one that looked like fun to me, ladybugs um, are all, the question there is, is all ladybugs ladies? <laughs> no, ladybugs can be boys or girls. Even boy ladybugs are called ladybugs. And just talking about do all ladybugs look the same? Are all their dots in the same place? Um, how are they different? Have you ever thought about that? That sounds like a child question, doesn't it? Is a ladybug a boy? That I never have even considered ladybugs being boys or girls. So this is just a really cute little book. Um, and neither one of these were very expensive on Amazon. I think they were 5 or $6 a piece with shipping and handling. Um, none of these books that I have showed you so far have been very expensive books. But like I said, once you get going, then there's like all these ideas. All right, so the handout you are getting is some ideas to spend together outside as a family. It's a no way um, exhaustive list. And don't look at the first page yet. That's for the activity that we're going to do in a little bit. <laughs> Where you guys get to do homework. <laughs> 
guys get to get your brains going. So turn the page. Um, many of you probably go for hikes. Uh, I know as a kid, I despised when my mother said, let's go for a walk. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> and my mom loved to go for walks. I mean, and my parents had an obsession with waterfalls, which is really funny how now I've turned into being the same way where I love waterfalls. But as a kid, my mother would literally be the kind of parent who'd want to see all four views of the Yellowstone waterfalls. <laughs> well, we didn't see this one yet. Let's go that one. Like, they were just hiking all the time. And I just got so tired of hiking. My mom has pictures of me on the rock, sticking my tongue out, refusing to take another step. Because <laughs> I was just so tired. My mom, one time we literally hiked 11 miles for a waterfall. OK, I'm not kidding. My mother loved hikes. Um, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And actually, it started turning fun when they started just pulling off alongside the road and being like, that waterfall looks cool. And we would just hike and play around that waterfall. And it was not even a regular hike. That one, it, that's when it turned out really fun. So we don't have, like, maybe a lot of waterfalls here in Michigan. Um, oh, <laughs> Do you know your own state? <laughs> let's be a tourist in Michigan. <laughs> okay, so let's go to the UP on your next field trip. One thing that I would also suggest as a family is taking time to do family vacations. I was very blessed. I grew up, my, my mom is a teacher. She took 11 years or 13 years off when, uh, to raise me and my two brothers. I have an older brother and a younger brother. And she raised us, and then she went back to teaching, and my younger brother started going back to school, or started going to school. But that also meant we always had summer vacations. And my father, um, we're farmers, and we would bale hay. So in between cuttings, between usually the second and third cutting, we'd get away, and we would load up our pop-up camper for literally two or three weeks, and we would drive out west. Because my dad has a twin brother who lives in Idaho and Washington State. And my parents were awesome. I didn't even realize it, but they, they by putting these two things together, um, seeing family and national parks, they created in me a need to make sure that I was always connected to family. So all of our trips were about stopping at national parks and seeing family and friends. It wasn't anything else than that. That was the purpose, to eventually get to Uncle Lon at Jody's house, or to go visit Rod and Marsha in Montana, or you name it. It was different family visits, and that was the point of the vacation, but we always stopped at different national parks. So if you get a chance, do the national parks. They are awesome, and it's one thing that all families should do um, to spend time together is going to national parks. If that's too intimidating, state parks. Michigan State Parks are really awesome. And if you just go on the website for Michigan State Parks, they have it all nicely organized now with what is available at the different parks. Yes. And encourage, whether you're a parent or you're a teacher, right now, because what Obama did, every fourth grader takes a free national parks class. All you have to do is take your fourth grader. I think you might have to have a little bit of documentation. There. You don't well, write to it. You don't? You go to the national park. They receive the parks pass. And as long as that child is in the car, you get to go in for free. That is awesome. They also, we discovered, had a couple weeks and some days throughout the year that they would have national parks for free. We went, we took advantage of it in April. Uh -huh. There was hardly anybody there because it was April. The perfect weather and Wow, very nice. Uh, for those of you who don't have a fourth grader, I bought a national park pass two years ago and it was $50 and it's all year long. It's not very expensive. And then these days, when you get your Michigan license plate, when you register your license plate, you can pay just $10, and you can get through then to all state parks for free. So definitely, and on the website, you can literally click through all these different Michigan state parks, and they, they come up with a, with a page of Michigan, a map, and there's red dots everywhere where there are state parks. And there are so many state parks in Michigan that I had no idea. But this website makes it super clear. You just click on the little red dot, and it gives you a list of everything, like swimming or biking, if you can have pets there, if there's a place for your boat. It gives you a really good idea of what's available at that state park. And state parks another very inexpensive way to get your family outdoors and engaged in nature. state parks have a program for, for your families mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and, and national parks also have an awesome children's program. I never went through it as a child, but you can become a, I don't know if anyone here has done it, junior ranger, and you can learn all sorts of things, and they have them do different activities to learn about the different ecosystems going on there in nature that's um, animals. It's really cool to do that. The centennial, and today I have a special catch that's just this year. Just this year. I want to go do it. Just this year? Oh no, <laughs> I can't, I don't have time. Wow, that would be really fun. Though I'm not old, I'm too old to be a junior ranger. But that would be fun. Okay, this year, let's do it. So next year when we meet for camp meeting, let's see how many junior rangers we have. <laughs> yes. Some hard stuff here about the age. We have a junior ranger with our kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so next year if you see me proudly wearing my junior ranger badge, don't wonder why. All right, so a couple of ideas when they're on that hike that kiddos get so tired of, tired of is an alphabet hike. Um, before heading out on a hike, hand each camper a piece of paper with a letter of the alphabet uh, listed and explain to them that they have to find at least one item in nature for every letter. Uh, the real name of the item must be used. So this would be a really great way to teach plant identification, to open up their eyes to different trees and birds and mammals, some of those letters are gonna be very difficult, but maybe it's not so much of trying to do every letter, but who can get the most letters or who can find as many as possible. Another great idea that I thought was really fun was a memory hike. So you as the leader, when you're walking along, you're, finding, you're asking questions. So it says, um, for this hike, tell the campers that they'll be hiking for a certain distance, and when they get to that point, they will be asked questions about certain objects along the along the trail to test their observation skills. Um, as a variation, have each camper think of 10 questions of his own after the hike. So that would be really fun. You're all walking along thinking of questions. So who remembers where we saw the nest? Who saw the nest on the right side of the trail? And you're just asking different questions that really helps them not just be, oh, I'm doing this 11 mile hike. I'm looking for things along the way. Um, cloud races, I'm sure you guys have done this. Just looked up at the clouds and watched them go across the sky. That's super fun. An awareness scavenger hunt is just looking for things um, with, I don't know, I love scavenger hunts. I don't think you can do too many scavenger hunts. And once you look at a couple of scavenger hunts, it's pretty easy also to think of your own scavenger hunts. Uh, nature hangings, you can read about that one. Uh, another idea is, I've talked about this one, is just going out and picking up trash. So there's an idea to go pick up trash. The next one I think is fun, and you could do this one at your churches or your schools, is build a community pond source. And it's just, it kind of gives you an idea of how to build a pond there and um, what to do with your pond that I think looks like a lot of fun. Uh, the next one is build a birdhouse. That one teaches so many different things because now they have to do measuring and then they get to use hammers and nails and all sorts of fun things and then you can do observations about who comes and lives in your birdhouse. Also, you're helping um, the environment by, by providing birdhouses. Another thing you guys can do is build bat houses. I didn't write this one down, but I don't know if you've heard, but there was a big scare recently about our bats being in trouble with the fungus, they've now said that they have, there's hope for that one. I haven't heard completely all the research on it, but I think they have found either a cure or something. But we were in big trouble, because if we lose all our bats, then we're all in big trouble. And so they were encouraging people to build bat houses. And then you could join this online website and be a contributing factor to the environment because you are having a bat house at your location. And if you just Google um, white, nose, that white nose fungus, Bat project um, is how you could figure out how to be a part of that. And the bat, the bat houses aren't very hard or difficult to build. We have two or three of them at Camp Asable. The bat houses is a Pathfinder honor. Very good. Uh, another really fun one that I thought would be cool is a tree nursery source. So it um, gives you an idea of how to um, start your own tree nursery source. And I think this would be an awesome outreach idea is that you grow trees and then you could ask neighbors who want a tree and say you will dig it for them and then you could also even say you'd come water it once in a while and that would help create a relationship 
And maybe instead of trying to go give 10 trees out, you just go give one or two trees out and you really forge a bond with this family that you're giving a tree to. Um, it says, this, I thought this was really cool. We should all plant at least two trees a year because that is what we use in one way or another. Trees can make a garden five degrees cooler than would have been the case without them. Another random fact for you, a maple tree, a maple tree produces as much cooling effect as one window air conditioner. So if you want to save money on your cooling bill at your house, plant maple trees around because maple trees act as a natural air conditioner. So that's pretty cool because I know all of us like ways figuring out on how to make our bills smaller. Let's plant some maple trees. <laughs> uh, so there's just a really fun idea about how to plant trees together. And then um, I think it'd be an awesome outreach. And you could even include a Bible verse about trees on the tree when you give them the tree and help them plant it. Uh, and then some other little ideas. Yes, or two days ago, I didn't talk about this. When we go outside on adventures, we call it going on adventures with Jesus, is what I called it with my little kids. I bought them these bug kits. They were at the dollar store. <laughs> they were super cheap. They were just these bright colored little plastic bug kits. And on one side, they had a little magnifying glass. And then they had a little screen and they had little um, tweezers. Don't know why they had tweezers. I was like, I was gonna squish bugs. <laughs> but they had little tweezers and they had a tiny little magnifying glass and a tiny little net. And it was just a dollar. Um, also, you can get bug nets at the dollar store for a dollar. And so make it a little adventure kit. Find a little backpack. I'm sure you can find those at the dollar store. These days you can find anything at the dollar store. It's my favorite place to go shopping. If only I was shopping for one instead of 15. <laughs> but get, a little, get them a little backpack, have in it um, a little bug kit, magnifying glass, binoculars, a small little journal. You can get really cool little journals. And maybe even one of those little small Bibles, just to get them in the mindset. Maybe it's not a Bible that they can read, but it's the mindset that when I'm going out in nature, I'm going out with Jesus. And you as the parent can read the Bible to them, but if they just have one of those little backpacking Bibles, they'll just they'll equate it now, spending time with, in nature is spending time with Jesus. And that's the whole point. I mean, yeah, we want to educate our children about what's out there in nature, but the whole reason why we want them to bring them in nature is to bring them back to Jesus, right? So put that Bible in their little backpack kit. Another idea is watch the moon for a complete cycle. We had to do this in class. Every night we had to go and make an observation and draw what the moon was doing every single night. And you would do it for a complete cycle. Watch a meteor shower together as a family. Spend the night out under the stars. We talked about that one a couple days ago, or just yesterday. Some of us had never done that. Um, Pathfinder honors, if you don't know what to do as a family, Pathfinder honors are awesome. They're so awesome, and they have everything there for you. They have a spiritual point. If you, if you have no idea where to start, do a Pathfinder Honor together or an Adventure Award together. They have something in nature, and they have a spiritual lesson to it. So if you're intimidated about making lesson plans, start with a Pathfinder Honor. Yes? When you were talking about Pathfinder Honors, I know when my mom was a Pathfinder Director over in Saginaw for a few years, she arranged with Chippewa Nature Center and she would, in advance, give them Pathfinder honors she wanted to work on, and they would do, and then for very inexpensive, she would just take all the kids to the nature center. They taught, they said they would teach all the honor, except for the spiritual part, and then so she would just cover that, and, but they would, they did it, did it all, and they were fabulous, and went way above and beyond most of the time, and they would just leave out the parts she didn't want mm -hmm. them to add, like evolution or whatever else they would normally put, put in normally. there. And it worked very well. Cool. Very cool. And you're being a witness, too. That's a, it's just when we use our available resources, we're also giving opportunities for the Lord to use us to be a witness to them. When we just stay in our own little bubbles and say, I can do this all. I'm just going to be just a little family unit, and we're just going to you know, keep them safe, and we're just going to do everything just us. We're limiting the possibilities that our children can be witnesses. Uh, just a little side story, really cute. I took my students door-to-door um, -door with glow tracks. And um, we stopped at this door, and the man came out smoking. <laughs> and what I did with my students is I had them sing, sing to love that makes us happy. And then they gave them a Bible verse. Do you guys know a reason for handwriting? They, they made one of those, and then they gave that as a present. And then they gave a glow track because we were trying to promote Unlock Revelation. 
and we would sing for them and then we would pray with them. And the little boy literally prayed, please help this man stop smoking. <laughs> and please help him not to choose Satan, but to choose Jesus. <laughs> I mean, there are things that a child can say that an adult can never say. And this little boy was about this small, and he was a little loud boy, and he was just the cutest thing you ever saw in your life. And he looked like he was three or four, but he was seven but he was just the picture of cuteness. And who could ever get mad when this little guy is praying for you? And then he says, thank you, have a nice day. You know, and the guy's probably like thinking about the prayer, don't you, Satan? <laughs> but it's because I talk very blank in my classroom and I say very real with them. And I say, guys, you have two choices. You're either choosing Satan or you're choosing Jesus. There is no choosing a middle ground. And so that was things we had talked about, but I had no idea that he was gonna pray for that man in that way. <laughs> so <laughs> take your kids out, it's awesome. It's just such a blessing to take your children out door to door. And you know, it is scary and intimidating, but I'm hoping some of these ideas are helping. You know, give a birdhouse. Give a birdhouse to your neighbor. You know, show them that you care about the environment. Our world is really big into caring about our environment right now. And so they're going to be very open to you suggesting ways to make their environment nicer at their house, too. Um, build a fort together, plant a garden, study a new animal. We'll go into that later. The next one is just something that I found online. And I'll email it to you because a lot of these are links that you can just click on and they give other ideas. But it's just really a lot of ideas. And how you want to go with them is completely up to you. All right, so time for a little activity, and then we'll talk again. So when God created the world, he put two things um, in, in huge importance that Satan likes to attack, and one of them is the Sabbath, and the other is marriage, right? But marriage wasn't just because Adam and Eve need each other, they're also going to have children in a family, right? So our families are something that is so important to God. And what I want you to do now is I'm going to have you guys get in circles, move your chairs around, get in groups of four, five, whatever you're comfortable, three to six, somewhere in those, that range. And I want you to think about all the reasons why God would give us family, so let's just talk about a couple of now. What is the point of family? Why would God make families? Love. Okay, to learn to love each other. Security. You said earlier in teaching you learn. And teaching you learn. Okay, and a family creates an environment where you have to teach. Doesn't want us to be alone. Praise the Lord. Yes. <laughs> yes. Anybody else? <laughs> Character building. Character building. All right. So what I want you guys to do, when a baby shark is born, they come out and instantly they're on their own. Um, a brother may eat a sister. A sister may eat a brother. Mom may turn around and eat them. <laughs> they are on their own as soon as they begin life. So there is an example of a dysfunctional family. <laughs> okay? But that is where nature is so cool because we can see marks of the Lord and we can see the fact that we live in a great controversy and that Satan is attacking nature. Did God originally plan that the sharks would eat their poor little babies? No. no, of course not. And what a really big and real way to open up our kids' minds to the fact that Satan is at work here and that we do need to make a conscious effort. Are we picking Satan or Jesus? So... In your groups, I want you to think of a value, or you can do several values, that the point of the family, that why there is a point of family, and then I want you to think of something in nature that teaches you that value. So think of a value in your family that's really important, why we have families, and what's something in nature that teaches that value or demonstrates that value. Putting your thinking caps early on this morning. So God gave us family. What in nature shows those attributes? All right, I'm going to give you uh, maybe 10 minutes, maybe not quite 10 minutes, but get in a group of four or five and start thinking about fam the reason for family. 
and how that's taught in nature. All right, if you want some ideas, that first page that I made for you on the family time is a section out of the book Education, The Message of the Stars. And it's just a portion of that section, but it gives you a couple of ideas if this is a new concept for you to do. We'll just go down, start with, did I give you the one about the palm tree? Just something simple. The palm tree, beaten by the scorching sun and the fierce sandstorm, stands green and flourishing and fruitful in the midst of the desert. Its roots are fed by living springs. Its crown of verdure is seen afar over the parched, desolate plain. And the traveler, ready to die, urges his failing steps to the cool shade and the life-giving water. The tree of the desert is a symbol of what God means, of what God means the life of his children in this world to be. They are to guide weary souls, full of unrest and ready to perish in the desert of sin to the living water. They are to point their fellow men to him who gives the invitation, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. So if I was going to apply that to the family, I would say my family is meant to be a symbol where people in the community feel the presence of God when they're among my family, that my home is a place that they come to, and it's, it's a resting spot for the weary. And I would, I would t- teach my children that I would want them to be like a palm tree in a world that is so full of sorrow and sin and suffering, and a place that they're a place of comfort to other children. So there's just an idea of what I would do. Um, But I just want you to come up with different ideas of how you could teach your children the value of being in your family using nature. All right. Are we ready to share? Who wants to be the first group to share? We were uh, talking about how how like the family kind of all gets together and does different jobs and works together and things. And it reminded us of like the bees and the ants about how there's so many different talents, but they're all needed in not only our own family, but like the church family where you have different people doing different things and not just one person, you know, we can't all be the worker bees and we can't all be the queen bee. We can't be, everybody is needed. So. Very good. Yeah. I love it. We have all have different roles. <laughs> Another brave volunteer. We were doing how God has has a family. After, well, we had protection, and this is what we use for protection. I don't know if you're familiar with the pitcher plant, but the pitcher plant. Okay, so the little bud insect comes along, and he smells this good nectar right here, and his tongue actually looks like a little roadway. It's really colorful and it's pretty. It's like a landing gear, matter of fact, like an airplane, um, airport. So he flies in and he gets in here and he starts smelling this nectar. So he ends up right here and he doesn't worry because there's two windows right here and there's more like that. There's two windows in here and he thinks he'll just fly out when he's done. But these are actually membranes. So after he fills up his tummy, he's starting to go across the walls like this and he gets really tired and he'll either fall down this way and at the bottom there's a pool of water where he falls into and he dies. Or he gets over here and there's little hairs and once he gets here, they kind of pull him down and he dies. And that God has set up protections in our home to keep our children from going there and those are the things that we're trying to teach them, spiritual things. The other one was using the violet as a positive thing that it has also like a little runway but, and it draws the insect in too, and then at the bottom there is water again. And that one is to be a beautiful violet so that we are bringing people to the living water. And what was the other one that we used? Oh, that we want to be very respectful in our home, and that you take your children out and you step on the basil, and you step on the mint, and you step on the peppermint, and they all put off a beautiful smell. But you step on the skunkweed, it puts out a nasty smell. And then you can talk about how our attitudes in our home can be either basil, a sweet smelling, or they can be like skunkweed. And if you didn't have the smells, we talked about even walking along with cockabirds or some of those that you get all those spiny things on you. And that in a home, we want to have respect with each other. And even out in nature, there's things that bring us good and there's things that bring us harm. Thank you very much. And she went a little bit more into also how, what I'm going to show you tomorrow, 
When we study things in nature and you learn the intricate processes that are going on, you can see so much about God. But it's taking that time to study. Uh, right now, I'm still only scratching the surfaces, and this kind of represents this to me. But if I study the way that plant grows or the way that bug survives and lives, studying that process is incredible. And that is when you totally understand different things about God, the plan of salvation you can find in nature. You can find um, just the really hard theology, theological concepts, and they're displayed and taught in nature when we study deeper and really study how this, these scientific processes work. Um, does anyone else have any family things they can share? Well, they brought it even to the church family. I think it's the giraffes that actually have sort of a, I would call it a godly form of daycare. <laughs> they help take care, they all help take care of the young ones, and the parent will that way have time to go out and feed themselves if they can be strengthened, and then they take turns taking care of the young ones. And I think you know, each one of us in the church is responsible for every young person there. It's not just the responsibility of the parents. It's the responsibility of all of us for the children in our church. And I just think it's a, a really godly example of taking that care. And they will fight. You know, it's not their baby, but they will fight whatever might be trying to get them. Cool. Geodes are a rock that are very unattractive on the outside. But when you crack them open, like kids love to do, they're beautiful on the inside. And that's what we want to teach our children. Mm -hmm. It's so much more important than some of the things that's what should attract people to it. So it's kind of not the outside. Very good. And that relates to the sanctuary. The sanctuary is like that. And then, of course, human success. That outward appearance we're attracted to, yeah. Yes? There's a talk about orcas and how. They're very persistent when, when another orca is in, in trouble, whatever, they'll go they'll do whatever. They'll spend like hours of trying to save that save that uh, that other orca. That little family, you know that compassion and that persistence of helping somebody else out. Whereas like when we're trying to save somebody, like when we're trying to witness to somebody to have that persistence to keep on keep on trying to save that person, even though, you know, it may look hopeful. Uh, hopeless, but we can continue to have that person. Awesome. Anybody else want to share? If you think about the Mohs hardness scale and different minerals will leave impressions or scratches on others mm -hmm. and in our family or in you know, even as individuals, are we leaving an impression on others for Christ or is the world leaving its impression on us? Yeah, very good. Excellent. Any other brave souls want to share? Well, I was thinking about the family as being a protective system, you know, where, like the mother hen protects her little chicks. And also the fish that make a little nest, mm -hmm. they will stand right, you know, they'll swim around, they'll stay right there and guard their nest against mm -hmm. the, the wilds of the devil. You know, I mean, that's what our families are supposed to be, protect the children. And, and spouses, too, from the attacks of Satan. Very good. Another way of protecting is to um, teach um, uh, our children wisdom. Like, there's discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. And um, why the family is so important is that um, every family member has so much to give to the young people. And we're talking about, like, um, like you could give them the wisdom that they need. Just, I guess, like, let them use it. Like, do not forsake wisdom. She'll protect you. You'll love her. She'll watch over you. So it's just, like, the wisdom that a family can give to each other. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Thank you very much. Another thing you guys could do is every month pick a, a biome. So the, this month could be the rainforest. The next month could be the ocean. The next month could be um, the desert. And have you guys ever heard of EnchantedLearning.com? It is, I think, $20 a year or something. And it's geared towards younger grades. I'd say it's really primarily the K-4 level. Um, but what I did is every month we would pick a biome and we would, we would do 
we would talk about that vine, we would talk about how it works, we talk about the animals, and then they had a, a month where they had to come back with an animal report. So you guys could do weekly animal reports, um, and the animal reports, those um, could be all grade levels, those papers that you print out, but each member in your family could go and research about an animal and then present it at family worship time. And so each month you're picking different biomes, and there's so many cool animals out there so many random animals out there. And maybe you can even pick regions, so like Australia um, or Africa. Uh, and they just come back and they, they research an animal and then they share it. Uh, another idea that you could do is start a nature family tradition. How many of you guys love family traditions? They're precious, right? We love the fact that we have family traditions. It bonds us as a family, so start a nature tradition. Maybe every Thursday you go out and look at stars. Um, you can find telescopes at Goodwill a lot of time. People don't really use telescopes as much anymore. I found some really nice telescopes at different Goodwills. Um, so every Thursday night, you're, you're doing stargazing. Or maybe once a month, you have a camp out in your backyard. Just go to your backyard. It doesn't cost a penny, and your kids will think it's the most fun thing in the world to camp in your backyard and challenge yourselves. You know, maybe skip January, but do February. <laughs> January might be one of the most difficult months, but sometimes you can have a warm weekend in December. Uh, another thing that I did in my classroom is for a day, they'd each get to pick an animal and I would call them that animal. And they just had that nickname for the day. So they were elephants, which means they were also running around acting like an elephant. And it was just silly and it was a fun way to switch up school and it might be just something fun that you start. I don't know what kind of family traditions you have, but I would just really encourage you to start a, a nature family tradition. Um, another idea that you could do is start a bug or a reptile amphibian jar in your house, create a nice little home for him. And then once a week on Sunday, they get to put a new animal in there. And then every Friday night, you could do a spiritual application, you release them on Friday night. So you release them on Sabbath. And so every week they're bringing in a new creature and then you're letting it go. And you can watch him, you can study him, you can take care of him. Um, another thing you could do is start a, an outdoor treasure plate on your table. So it means they can bring in all their treasures and put it on this little plate. And at the end of the week, they know that the treasures go out. <laughs> but it's a way of... of encouraging them to bring nature indoors. And maybe, maybe the plate's scary, maybe it should be a sealed container. Because <laughs> you don't know what's gonna start crawling out of their little treasures. <laughs> so um, it also gives great dinner conversation. I know that sometimes you have a million things you have to do and um, there's a lot of research out there that talks about the importance of sitting down as a family and having a family meal. Every, once a day is what they're, what they're telling, studies are showing. So every evening, have that family meal and say, all right, guys, every night we're going to say, what did you see cool in nature today? And that is just you go around the table and you say, what was something that you noticed cool in nature? And that is one thing I'm going to talk about tomorrow is what to do about that cool thing that you saw in nature. Um, but it's just a way to get them to be observing, to paying attention to what's out there. What did you see cool? Um, yes. Does anybody, while we were just talking, have any ideas of family traditions for nature? Well, then we do, like, a Friday night, our Friday night dinner. Somebody will choose, like, our object lesson. And we actually pass it around the table, and each person comes up with, a, like, a spiritual application. And even the most random thing, I mean, and even my little guy, who just turned six, he can come up with a, well, this reminds me of, you know, Daniel in the lion's den, or whatever mm -hmm. it is, you know, if it's just a rock, oh, this reminds me of David and Goliath, but he's still coming up with, you know, what does this, this random object remind him of, you know, a Bible story, or maybe, you know, as they get older, they can come up with a little bit deeper thoughts, and, um, yeah, and, and very good, no, I love it, just even, probably not always nature objects, just random objects. We've done that before in, in mission trips where we'll have a bag and there's a band-aid and a Q-tip in it and like can you come up with an object lesson with that? Um, and you really can. Like God has an awesome way of bringing lessons to our mind in most random ways. Do you guys have any other family traditions idea that you could add? In outdoor ed, when, I, when my students leave, I insist that they have to make two goals. <laughs> Because otherwise we hear a bunch of things and then we're like, oh, that's great. And then we walk out, well, what am I going to apply? 
So right now in your head, I want you to think of a nature tradition you could start in your home. One nature tradition you could start in your home. Maybe it's just once a month. Maybe once a week sounds too intimidating. Maybe every day sounds too intimidating. Definitely too intimidating. Uh, but once a week or once a month, a nature tradition. So just brainstorm of that for a little bit. And what is a nature tradition you could start in your house? I'm hearing laughter. Does that mean we're coming up with really fun ideas? <laughs> Camping in the camper with the heat on. <laughs> hey, I would have loved it if my parents set up the pop-up camper in the side yard. Whoa! so cool. Just the smell of that thing would get me excited. All those mothballs. <laughs> Just when adventures were coming. <laughs> Anybody think of any nature traditions? A Bible study into a treasure hunt. Very cool. I like it. Actually put bird feet in the bird feeder. <laughs> That works. You could do a, a nature craft once a, once a month or once a week. You can roll pine cones. I'm sure you know that one, and peanut butter and bird seed. That's a really inexpensive way. Anybody else have any nature tradition ideas? Yes. Well, I'm actually from Iowa. So we have a farmer's soybeans. And we have never done it, but we should have years and years ago. But when they you know, the different ways of how they get the ground ready and then when they plant the seed, see how deep they plant it, and then every week go out and measure to see if it's got a sprout, anything mm -hmm. measure its growth. Yeah, awesome. You could have um, a special, do you remember um, Melissa's treasure box? You could have a, a special a journal where they come in and they write um, like it's a special nature family journal and they could all come and write or draw a picture of something cool that they saw and you just have a special nature journal sitting on your coffee table and they're just like oh this today I saw a giant worm eating a leaf or you know just something really cool and random but it just encourages them to think about nature. Did it, was there another hand? Well, I have my garden all summer long that I just really enjoy picking all this stuff and, and just God providing me all this lovely food and fresh and, you know, and I'm part of that, you know. Yeah. It's just yeah. awesome. And then I can it and I get to enjoy <laughs> the rest of the year. And then I, you know, that's in the summertime. And then um, this year my son planted blueberry bushes and they came with blossoms on and then one day when I went out, oh, here's these little baby blueberries. So I got to call him and tell him, we got baby blueberries. <laughs> How exciting. So maybe when I get home, they'll be ripe. <laughs> yes. My children started this year. We have a chalkboard next to our living room window. And they each month they write down the, you know, the new birds that they see for the month. And they just do that. So they're always excited when they see a new bird that they can add to their chalkboard. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Another thing you could start is just a weather journal. Watching the weather is really cool. And um, say, oh, I have to show you these things. So I don't know if some of you are into journaling, but I like to journal. But I'm way too active to really want to journal. So have you heard of a 10-year journal? Has anyone heard of 10 years journals? Okay, these are perfect for busy moms and busy people. How it works, that one has all my stuff in it. This is my new one. Um, is it has the day on the top, August 12th or June 8th, and then four lines for every year. So 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. So you can look back and be like, a year ago from this day, what was I doing? And it's just super fun. Now, it's kind of small for your children to maybe want to write in this, but you as a parent, your kids say some really fun things. Or for me, I literally just write like the highlights of the day. I don't know if I would share them with you, but uh, I use, and I haven't always, I've had this for six years. Um, and I haven't always been good, as you can see, but some days um, I've done, you know, not terribly bad. So May 12, I kept most of the years for the last six years. And what was really cool is I noticed sometimes I put the weather in there. Most of the time I don't, but as a teacher, I put the snow days in there. And, 
And one day, literally, it was all three years I taught was a snow day. What's the chances of that? It was like snow day number four for the first year, snow day number two, and snow day number six. It was really cool. And so um, you could do something like this where you're keeping track of the weather and, and what's going on in the seasons. Get them aware of what's changing. You know, on May 12, we saw, we heard our first robin, you know, of 2012. The next year, we didn't hear the robin until 2000 and uh, um May 16, and maybe you hear robins all year long and they're laughing at me right now. <laughs> um, or, you know, when's the first snowfall of the year? That's super fascinating. And my classroom, when we, it snowed on October 24th, the first year I taught, and we made snowflakes and put it on the window. The next snowfall wasn't till, uh, next year wasn't until December 1st or something we got our first. But, Get them aware, because the, the world is changing. It's not boring, even though maybe your landscape seems boring. When was the first day that they saw a worm that year? You know, they went out every day and looked in the snow, and maybe this year I'm going to find the worm before another one. When was the first time the snow melted? The snow was all gone on May 6th of 2012, but in 2016 the snow didn't disappear until... July 1st, or, <laughs> you know, um, I just, I love journaling. I think it's super fun. And these 10-year journals, they are like $40. Um, Amazon was the only place I have found it. Uh, and they have carryover pages for those of us who are long-winded and have more to say than four lines, which some days I do. <laughs> um, also, they have, uh, at the beginning, months in review, so I put like big vacations that I did. If I just wanted to look like quickly over what I did in November over those 10 years, I put like vacations is what I do here. Um, but these books are really awesome. Yes, did someone have a raised hand? I'm sorry, I just got going. All right, uh, I think that is all. <laughs> I just want to keep going with tomorrow too. But please don't miss tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be the whole point if you miss nothing or if you get nothing from this seminar tomorrow, I hope, is so essential because I'm so excited about how to share tomorrow. Yes, Mrs. Miller. I've got just had an idea because here I am without young children. My youngest is 17. I do work with lots of little kids and different ages. But I thought, you know, for me, doing something like a journal and maybe a scrapbook or something with um, nature and spiritual lessons from nature could be a witnessing tool. If somebody comes to visit my home, I'm doing a Bible study with something, it could be a real icebreaker, non-threatening thing. Mm -hmm. That could be a way to work in for those of us who aren't necessarily have children to be doing yeah, start a family nature scrapbook where they come and they tape things on a paper and you put them in plastic pages. You can get plastic pages and binders for a very inexpensive price. My brother and his wife went every place they would go. They collect sand samples and they put them in one of those little coin holders, mm -hmm. but it was in a book. And then they had it on their coffee table with magnifying glasses. So when everyone came, they could spend time just looking at all the different, all the different sand samples from all around. And then if people went out of country, like out of the world, I went to Sweden and brought them back sand. So any place people went, they'd bring them back sand. So which is great because how many of us get caught in those tourist traps where we're like, oh, I went here, I must have a souvenir of what like, my family did. But what if you had a nature souvenir book? You know, a leaf from each of the different places you went or a rock. Rocks are really cool. And then you just write on the back of all your rocks the date of the vacation and where you picked up that rock. Man, I just feel like I just get going. <laughs> when we go on a vacation or something, instead of a souvenir, we'll collect rocks or shells or, or fun sticks or whatever, and then I'll like wire it together or something and make a Christmas ornament out of it. A Christmas ornament? That's pretty cool. All right, something that I wanted to get a, question, a survey. Sorry, I know I'm keeping you. But um, I've been wrestling with wanting to um, do, uh, I don't even want to say this, a Facebook page because then you guys could watch each other and share. But I hate to encourage you to spend more time on the phones, because I've been preaching against that this entire time. If we started a Facebook page, would that be something? I just mean a place that you can post your pictures. You know, my family and I did this. Maybe this is a really great idea that would work with your family. Or, hey, I found this lesson plan that was really awesome, and you share on the page. Um, because when I have looked on Pinterest, and I've looked on Googling it, it's really hard to come up with that many hits. And I really have spent a lot of time in this seminar trying to come up with more and more and more ideas. And I've spent a ton of time going through pages not really finding that many great ideas. 
here and there and a few. It just takes a lot of time. And I found that I spent hours to just come up with a couple. But if you guys had a page that you guys could scroll through, is that something that you guys would be interested in? Okay, just this is the agreement. I promise not to spend too much time on it. <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's close with prayer. Dear Lord, I praise you so much for our incredible minds. I thank you for the, the ability to think and reason and, and be creative. I thank you for their creativeness in this room and the Holy Spirit in this room and just the, the energy, Lord, that you give us for loving you. And may we be a light in our communities. May we be a light in our homes and in our churches um, about how much you love us and how much you want to be known by us. Uh, we love you in your name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.